He's got connections. From actors and athletes to comedians and world-class musicians. Andy Hall. His contact list is jam-packed with some of the most recognizable names in entertainment. Andy Hall's giving Laser Hellraisers his plus one. An exclusive conversation you won't hear anywhere else on today's edition of Hall Access. Hi, Andy. Mark Schindel calling. Hey, Mark. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, sir. Looking forward to seeing Great White in action Friday night, March 25th at Wild Rose Casino and Resort in Jefferson. An incredible career spanning over 40 years. What do milestones like that mean to you, Mark, as the guy that's been there from the very beginning? It's bizarre. I I mean, I'm watching my grandson grow up in seconds. Time just seems to have a way of just uh, taking care of itself, I guess. Um, yeah, it's very strange because all our heroes, usually the, their lifespan was a lot shorter. Um, of course, heroic things they've done, and it, people just talk about them forever. But um, I think what keeps us uh, moving forward, um, for one, we have the super loyal fans, and also we keep making new music all the time, which kind of keeps it fresh for us. And keeps our energy up. 2023 marks the 40th anniversary of Great White's first release, the EP known originally as Out of the Night, which opened up some doors for this band. What do you remember most about that experience, about the hustle it took to get some attention in the early 1980s in L.A.? It it was actually uh, kind of surreal. I mean, our goal was to to play as often as possible, and we in hopes that somebody would be at a show that could help us. And it actually happened for us. There was an A&R man in the, in the audience. He was able to get us in the studio and do that five-song EP. And he was able to get us on the biggest station in L.A. with no record deal, which is pretty much unheard of. So it was really um, just having our stars line up and meeting the right people. I remember the first time hearing us on the radio uh our manager bought a brought a ghetto blaster to our rehearsal, <laughs> and we we went out on the front lawn, and he pl- you know it was plugged in, and and he goes, I want you guys to hear something, you know, and it was at noon, I guess they were going to play, and we thought it was going to be an ad because we had a couple shows coming up, so oh man, having an ad on the radio would just be epic, and all of a sudden it came with one of the songs from the EP, and. Uh, it kind of, and we just thought it was a one-time only thing, but then they started playing it like six times a day. We're going, holy God, what what universe are we living in here? Wow. And uh, because for an unsigned band to get played on the radio, they did have a station called K-West that played the local talent, but not on a station where you're going to hear like Tom Petty and Queen, you know what I mean? <laughs> so we were kind of dumbfounded by all that, but... Yeah, uh, things started to go our way. You know, we worked real hard um, playing a lot. I mean, you know, so, uh, yeah, it's surreal that it's it's gone on this long. But like I said, we have very loyal fans, and they they grew up on our music. We basically grew up with our fans, you know what I mean? Sure. And you're bringing in new fans still because of this new stuff you're writing and the fact that you guys are out playing shows, you're making new fans in 2022. That's pretty outstanding. Yeah. We see a lot of uh, parents bringing their 20-somethings to the show. And 
you know, they get a chance to say, hey, man, my, my mom and dad aren't so corny. These guys do rock, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, you know what I mean? To where I, I've told the story before, but with my parents, I really couldn't relate because it was so far removed from anything that resembled rock. So, like, I could never envision myself going to, you know, one of their big band things or whatever. You, you know what I mean? Sure. To where even though... Every song's not called "Kill Your Parents" that we write. <laughs> the kids, you know, they can they can, you know, relate to it somewhat because it does rock and loud guitars and you know, so yeah, it, it, it's fun to see the new generations. In fact, I was in Sweden a, a few years back and walked out uh, in front of the hotel, and there must have been like twenty five kids out there wearing clothes that I wore like in nineteen eighty five. Oh wow. And they're all like 22-ish or whatever. And I'm going like, what's going on? It was like they discovered something, you know, like with the 80s rock. And they just loved it. So it's neat to see that. You know, back to uh, L.A. and in that time and place, it must have been just incredible to be a part of that scene. There was a ton of competition out there. Did you find it difficult to make friends outside of your band, or was there a camaraderie with some of the other bands doing what you were doing to try to do it, I should say, at the time? Well, you know, we were trying to improve, at least me on a personal level. I wanted to see what these bands are doing. So I, I saw Van Halen in a junkyard when I was 16, like three blocks from my house and uh, just was dumbfounded by how pro they were and how prof- you know how professional they acted and their work ethic they played everywhere all the time um, so I was I was more it was more of a learning curve for me but yeah I'm sure there was you know there was a lot it was a healthy music scene I can tell you that I mean bands are playing all over the place in Hollywood in clubs in Actually, people's backyards. Wow. I mean, people used to charge a dollar and get kegs of beer and, and you know, play in people's uh, houses. You know, even Van Halen did that. God. I'll never forget, they charged 250 one time, and we were like, oh, my God, <laughs> 250 I can't believe it, you know, that they, they can charge 250 Like, we thought that was insane. I mean, really. That debut album of theirs came out probably right around the same time you and Jack met each other, I'm guessing. Yeah. I was really thrilled for him, uh, you know, because I, I followed him around. I was friends with the bass player and uh, actually played a wedding with him one time, the bass player, Michael Anthony. No kidding. But th- that wasn't until about 1990. But anyways, uh, yeah, uh, you know, they were our local heroes, you know, because that's what I, I'm sure, you know, if you grew up with REO Speedwagon, seeing them starting out, you, they'd be your heroes, you know what I mean? Sure. But, you know, we are kind of pulling for them like, in like you would for your, your your local sports team, you know, or whatever, um, you know. So everybody, it, and it it was actually not that easy for them because they had the new wave kind of coming out, and and so it, rock and roll was supposedly dead and all this stuff, you know. So uh, it, it dies a lot, you know, but it comes back. Yeah, but, um, we've been hearing that yeah. for years, right? And. You know, I think some bands were jealous, but to tell you the truth, I was so thrilled because I go, it can actually happen. Like, this isn't an impossibility. You know, I'm going, 
holy cow, man, let's just, I, I really took a lot from their uh, work ethic as far as playing uh, a lot of shows. Like, I want to play more than everyone. You know, we uh, our motto was, you know, if we're not good enough, maybe we can brainwash people into thinking they're supposed to like us. You know what I mean? Because like we, like we play so much, you know, it's like when you go to the store and you get detergent, you always get tied, you know, cause the commercial, you know? So we had to do a lot of footwork. We were out there with staple guns every night, you know, oh. uh, stapling up flyers on telephone poles, going to concerts, Putting, putting flyers uh, about a show we're doing in the uh, windshield wipers, <laughs> you know, going to high schools that, in colleges at four in the morning, hitting all the lockers. <laughs> you know, it, it's not like today where you can just get on your keyboard and promote your band. We had to leave the house. You know, that's <laughs> a really good point. These days, I think it's hard for new bands to imagine a time without social media, without YouTube, without these streaming services and without Pro Tools and things. You know, have these new yeah. tools and technologies, have they made things better or worse for artists, in your opinion, as a guy that's existed in both worlds? I think that it makes things easier. Um but as far as, you know, up-and-coming kids, I kind of wish they, they had a little of what we had, which is more human connection, you know. Uh, people really hover on their phones and their laptops, and, you know, they're not getting out there in the grease, so to speak, you know what I mean? Sure do. And that human connection, there's definitely something to say about that because it's, it's really the people that we connected with who knew somebody that made, you know, and, and we, we really uh, came up a couple notches because of that, you know, uh, learning experience and being out there with real folks. <laughs> Mark Kendall is the guitarist and a founding member of Great White. Don't miss him live at Wild Rose Casino Resort in Jefferson Friday, March 25th. I was reading an old interview you gave about some of your musical heroes and biggest influences, and you sort of alluded to heroes a bit ago. Have you ever met any of them? Uh, most of them, actually. Okay. Uh, um, and the thing I was most uh, thrilled about is how nice everybody was. Right. I mean, I've sat on the bus with Johnny Winter like three or four times, you know, met and spoke with uh, Billy Gibbons and just all, all the guys that made me want to play when I was a teenager. Um, never met Carlos Santana, but got to ask him a question on Rockline um, because he was my hero when I was 14. I, did, I thought he was the greatest thing I've ever ever heard in my life oh how cool is that um, so i went i'm most of the people that i met that are upper echelon you know you know the hundred million seller type of uh, guitar player guys are the sweetest people you could ever know in your life um uh, they're just have nothing to prove and they're just you know just like talking to a friend of yours you know sure so that's always neat You've got an arsenal of well-known hits from throughout your career, which we look forward to seeing and hearing at the show. Are you pretty faithful to the original arrangements and the way those were played on record when fans get to see you live? Pretty much, yeah. Um, we have a few little extended jams, like sometimes before a song starts, we might jam a little bit just to bring the crowd into the into the night, if you will, and... Uh, you know, we, we like to engage our fans and make them really feel a part of it. 
And, you know, we really want to impress people. That's what I've, I've said it before, but I, I'm really, I, I save every amount of energy I can conjure for that show because I really want to give people their money's worth. I, I want them going away going, holy God, did you see that? Yeah, you, know? you bet. <laughs> At least that's the goal, you know. I don't always have to get there, but, it, you know, the worst that can happen if I, if I set my goals high is they were entertained. Hopefully. I, I tell you, you've played so many shows. I wonder to myself, just sitting here thinking about this, there there had to have been at least a, a small handful of shows you've played with odd pairings. Like with so you played, you shared a stage with somebody oh, yeah. that was kind of, it was just kind of an odd experience. Were there any like that that come to mind? Absolutely. I mean, just, uh, I, you can't imagine. It's mostly in festivals. Like we played a festival with Black Sabbath, Slayer, Iggy Pop, Buddy Guy, and Bob Dylan. Wow. <laughs> you know, talk about bands. I mean, you know, we might do a show with Black Sabbath opening or something, but not like Bob Dylan. And and just like 10 years ago, we played with Iron Butterfly. Wow. <laughs> what are the chances of, you know, Great White and Inagata and Vita? I mean, it was just like, just really crazy. So yeah, and even uh, the past few years, we we played with several bands that we never played with in in the day because we would like go on tour, say the Scorpions, you know, for eight months, or you know Judas Priest or a White Snake or you know Alice Cooper, you know, we wouldn't like go from band to band like you know. Like, we'll play with Sticks, and then maybe next week, REO Speedwagon, you know. We just played with Molly Hatchet two weeks ago. You know, these are bands that we never toured with, never did a show with. And it's actually a lot of fun, because you get to meet a lot of people that you've never spoken to before. And you have a lot in common, like Molly Hatchet, they're going, Hey, bro, what's up? And he called, this guy called me by my name. You know, I'm going... I don't even really know who's in Molly Hatchet, you know what I mean? Oh, wow. But, but I know their songs very well. Of course. And, and they're a great, great band. It's just I don't, uh, I didn't know their names, you know, their personal names. I, it's funny, so, you uh, look at each other and just go like, about time. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. That's what I mean. Everybody's so nice. It, it, it's incredible. And, and I think it has a lot to do with the respect of, our sport, if you will. Yeah, you it's, bet. Uh, it, it, it's it, it, it's a, a situation where we're so grateful to be here and still making music, you know, that everybody's pretty humble, you know. It's kind of neat. You bet. And, you know, nostalgia is a very powerful thing for folks that, you know, maybe didn't get a chance to see Great White back in 1987 or 1989 or, you know, when you guys are really out there hitting the pavement hard. And, you know, when people get that opportunity here in 2022, it's a pretty special thing, I think. Well, here's the thing. Like I said, we're fans, too. Yeah. We have certain songs that bring us to a certain place in our life where we know exactly what we're doing you know, if we were in high school or whatever. And so for our songs to be a part of our fans' lives, it's a great thing to share our music to people that can come and relive their high school memories or whatever, you know. And uh, it's really special. Um, 
that we actually have music that can create a, a good memory for someone. Not only for them, but as you alluded to, bringing, you know, maybe a new generation that, uh, you know, is just being introduced to your stuff as if it's brand new. That's that's cool, too. Yeah. I've met a, a lot of kids, too, you know, that are up-and-coming guitar players, you know. And like a parent will say something like, what can he do to get where you're at, you know. And I'll <laughs> give them suggestions. I go, the main thing is take lessons. You know, take formal lessons, get really good, familiar with your neck and and uh, get out there and work hard, you know, and maybe the stars will line up for you. But if, say, you don't get in a band that's going to go all huge and sell millions of records, you can always get into a studio session guy. You know, you're still going to be able to do something you love. You're going to be a musician. And that's what we're not in this to be rock stars. It's. That's just a, a tag they put on you. Yeah. We want to be a professionals at our instrument. We want to play it the best it can be played. Speaking of tags, did it bother you that I think you know a lot of bands in the 1980s were mislabeled um, like hair metal? You know, did that bother you at the time? Uh, and in retrospect, do you find labels like that to have been unfair? Uh, not if they're talking about the fashion, because we all wore the same clothes and had the same hair. Sure, uh, but. If they're speaking about the music, I don't think they're looking that deep into our music because I, I told journalists before that my hair has never written a song. Uh, <laughs> right. because, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> I don't play the way I do because of my shoes. Yeah. You know? um, I play the way I do because I, I grew up listening to guys like Carlos Santana and Johnny Winter, you know? Yep. And, uh, and so, you know, if they looked beyond the hits even if they went to the deeper cuts they they could i think make a a better evaluation of what they're looking at you know than just throwing just labeling the entire decade and just call it hair metal yeah you know i think it is a hair shallow i think the the fair uh tag that i always hear about the 1980s is the decade of decadence and i do think it was that (laughs) yeah Little, little bit of mayhem. Uh, one thing I can say, though, as far as the music goes, it might have started getting watered down a little bit toward the end, and it, everything sounded, you know, because new bands are coming along. The the record labels want, you know, want their Motley Crue and want their, you know, Rad or whatever. Sure. But uh, apart from that, I, I, most of the songs uh, were like more celebratory. You know what I mean? It, 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 in other words, fans weren't out there talking about how awful it is to have bills and how bad the world is. Yeah, we were. It was more like celebrating because look at all these hot girls and you know, and listen to this music, man. You know, this is like a lot of fun. So I think people were escaping their troubles and uh, to go to these shows in the '80s as opposed to embracing how bad the world was well <laughs> listen that cliche you hear nowadays living the dream had to have been born in the 1980s from, from bands like great white i guarantee it <laughs> yeah it, it was a very enjoyable time and we're still having fun yes sir looking forward to seeing you guys live at wild rose casino resort in jefferson friday march 25th mark kendall of great white thank you so much for your time man this has been great thanks andy thanks for what you do too man to keep the music alive absolutely man and you're welcome back anytime hope to have you again Thank you, sir. All right, take it easy, Mark. Bye-bye.